Welcome to episode number 40 of the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host for this episode. Now, land real estate agents are what drive the business for land companies like National Land Realty. We're talking today with Logan Eaton, Executive Vice President of Sales at National Land Realty. Logan discusses finding great land real estate agents when he is looking to recruit quality agents, as well as some of the best practices and technology used in land real estate. Logan's process to finding a great agent is identical to what a landowner or land buyer should be looking for when they're trying to find a professional to work with. This episode is valuable for professionals looking to make a change in career or those trying to find the right agent to work with. Now, sit back and enjoy. I am sitting here with Logan Eaton. Uh, Logan is the Executive Vice President of Sales at National Land Realty. And we're here to talk about what it takes to find a great land real estate agent. And and before we jump in, Logan, I'm, can you tell me a little bit about your background, how you ended up here, and just kind of what you do on a day-to-day? Yeah, thanks, Mac. I appreciate you having me on uh, today's podcast. Um, so I, I joined National Land Realty actually right out of college. I was uh, went to the University of Georgia and went through their real estate school. And um, I interned with National Land Realty uh, around uh, the Athens area in Georgia, and um, you know, became an agent, and then uh, then a broker in the Atlanta area after after graduating. And so I was in the field, um, you know, working mostly uh, pasture land, uh, some farmland, timberland, uh, hunting and rec, rec land, uh, a little bit of commercial and development land uh, near Atlanta. But most of what I was doing was about two hours out. So uh, you know, I was in the field and really really enjoyed it. And then around 2016, I had the opportunity to come on and work uh, with uh, on, on kind of the corporate side of things with national land and helping to to grow and recruit. Um, at that time, we were mainly concentrating in the southeast, but we were looking to grow into other parts of the country. And so I was, uh, again, fortunate enough to be asked to to kind of head up those recruiting efforts and uh, really business development efforts as uh, we uh, we decided to uh, to kind of take the company to the next level. So that's been my role here of late is uh, mainly recruiting. And then, uh, you know, day to day, I work with our agents and brokers still have good relationships with them, um, you know, help with training and, and again, development. Of, uh, of what they're doing uh, um, out in the field. Yeah, so you're sort of the front line uh, as far as communications goes when, you know, we have around 400 agents right now in the field and growing. And so you're usually the first person they talk to or one of the first people that, that they talk to. And you're the person that they talk to whenever they have problems. So I, I, it, I would kind of put out there that you're sort of, you're pretty in tune to what it, what it takes to find quality agents in the field or people that have potential to be agents is, is sort of what I'm getting at just throughout the last few years. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, in my role, um, I, uh, we have a recruiting and training coordinator, shout out to Lauren Richards. Um, she, uh, she helps, uh, kind of screen and, and work, uh, with potential uh, recruits as they come in our door. And then um, I'm very much a part of that recruiting process, speaking to uh, whether it be experienced agents and brokers uh, already in, in land brokerage or even uh, people that are looking to make a career change and get licensed and, and go into uh, to working with us or, or go into working in land brokerage. So, um, yeah, it's been interesting, uh, Mac. You know, we, as you mentioned, right, we've got about 400 agents and brokers uh, throughout the uh, throughout the U.S. Um, we're currently licensed in 44 states, soon to be 46, uh, and, and then hopefully 48 uh, will be in all 48 of the continental United States here in the next two years. And then eventually we'll get to Alaska and Hawaii, uh, which will be nice places to go and visit. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it's interesting when you ask, what do I look for in a recruit? Um, it, it's kind of the, that's a magic question, right? I think every recruit is different. Um, but some of the things I wrote about this in a blog on our page about how to become a land broker and kind of what we look for again in, in a recruit or, or somebody that's looking to, to become a land broker. And it, probably one of the biggest thing is the communication skills. You know, a, a good land broker really has to have um, 
excellent communication skills, whether it be again, both verbal and written. Um, and it, because that's, that's the number one, um, I was told this a couple of years ago, that's really the number one complaint against real estate agents and brokers altogether is lack of communication that they receive. And so when I, when I start speaking to a, a recruit, I need to, you know, I need to uh, really understand from them um, that they have those skills to be able to communicate uh, not only with me throughout the recruiting or interview process, but also uh, when they when they transition into being a land broker, an agent with national land, that they're going to be able to uh, to carry that over. Um, you know, some of the other things you know that come along with being a a good land broker or agent is, you know, understanding kind of the marketing and advertising side of things, you know, being able to, um, you know, present, you know, what national land has to provide. And, and obviously we have an, an in-house marketing team, obviously Mac, you're our, our chief marketing officer. Um, and so, you know, having, you know, a really good marketing strategy and being able to convey that uh, in, in in your business is important. So understanding what it takes to to market uh, tracts of land or um, you know what you need to do uh, to help a buyer potentially locate a track of land is is really important. So understanding uh, the marketing side of things is important. You know, from there, it's and these are things that I think you can develop. But you know, just the knowledge of the local real estate market understanding uh, the market that you're going into and, and why you're going into it, right? Um, so being able to really study the data um, and understand, you know, zoning laws, land use, land use regulations, um, you know, what's what's trading hands, right? Um, how, how active is the market, um, which kind of factors into just having expertise in land valuation as a whole, you know? So being able to accurately assess you know the uh, you know the the price or what your opinion would be of uh, of uh, of a track of land based on its size, location, topography is all you know nece- a necessary skill for for a land broker. Um, you know, good negotiation skills. You know, is 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 critically important. You know, being able to to go out there and advocate for your client's interest. Um, you know, excellent network building, which again is kind of sales 101, right? You've got to be a good networker. Not that we're asking you to come in with a network. We're not saying, hey, you need to call on all your family and friends, uh, or you need to have a list of 100 people that you got to call on, right? I mean, you, you hear these companies, right? When you come straight out of college, you're like, yeah, they, you know, they asked me to have 100 people that I could, you know, start cold calling day one. And for us, you know, we try to help with a lot of the lead generation. Um, but you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I mean, if, if you have a good network, if you're out there around land, you know, whether you're in a farming community or maybe you're around a lot of uh, hunting land, um, if you have connections to hunters or you have connections to farmers, that's going to help you. But it's not something yeah. you have to have coming into this business, but, um, but it is something that you'll, you'll need to be good at building throughout your career in land brokerage. Hopefully that helps answer some of those questions. Yeah, no, I was going to say because that, that was sort of a that was sort of a sales tactic from I, I'm going to say like the eight, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, where it was like, we want you to have a pre-built network. You need to call your friends and family. And I think what and the only thing that ends up happening out of that is you alienate your friends and family and they feel like every time they talk to you, you're going to try to sell them on something just because that happens because nobody rejects you like friends and family. Like I, I went into I've done sales a few times in my career and I at one point was doing, you know, investments. And I remember the first person that rejected me was my grandma. <laughs> it, was, it was so painful to have grandma. Oh, like, oh, I'm not talking to you about this. And then working with her neighbor the next day who like just, you know, through conversation found out I was, you know, doing investment stuff and then like talking to neighbors and stuff. And they're perfectly fine to do business, but like, grandma knew how much of a screw head I was when I was eight years old and there's no way she's going to trust me with an investment. Right. So there's those kind of things that you have to overcome and like family and friends will tend to reject you and you're going to alienate them. If you do it, It, it's good to build your network like locally and to, to worry more about like, you know, who do you meet? Like you said, you you know, do you know local hunters? Do you know local farmers? Um, But yeah, those are all, those are all really important things. And I was going to add with what you were, as you were talking your way through, I was thinking the stuff that you look for, with recruiting, right? When you're trying to identify a great agent is, um, and we, we use the term internally of land professional, but that doesn't mean that's like 
terminology that everybody, you know, out there uses, they're probably just going to think land real estate, right? Um, The qualities that you look for in a great agent are the same things that somebody looking to buy, buy land, somebody looking to sell land, are, are going to look at the same things that you're looking to recruit, right? Yep. They, should be, they should be out there looking for, did the person respond to you right away? Do they speak to you plainly? Do they, like, are when you call, are they answering within 24 hours? Are they calling you back? Are, are they communicative when they do that? Or are they, are they just looking to make a sale? Like, are they genuine with you? Um, you know, are they personable with you? Are, are you know, those kind of things? And then when they talk to you, a, a lot of the times, and I'm just going to say like a lot of the times as a generality, there's some landowners that don't know the value of land, but I would say majority of landowners know what they have. Like if you, if you are a farmer in the Midwest, you know exactly what that land is worth. And the, the, the more ambiguous things are like hunting land or, you know, stuff like that. It's a little harder to gauge, right. but you can tell when somebody is BSing you on the valuation of your land most of the time the difference is value versus market value, right? Like the, the value you purchased at versus where the market is now, but you can get by some of the language if someone's like kind of leading you around, you want to make sure they're communicative and they know what they're talking about. Like those are the key kind of things. Um, you know, the, the exceptions are if you're an outside investor, like if you're investing in Timberland for the first time and you bring in a land agent who has a forestry background and they're kind of just talking their way through site indexing and how to do that kind of stuff. They, they could kind of like, tell you things that you don't know and, and, you know, take advantage of that, that could happen. Um, yep. but the, the, the same things that you're looking for are, are it's, it's valuable to everybody, right? It's it, one for an agent looking for a new home for two, for, for what we're looking for and three, you know, what buyers and sellers need to look for in a land agent. So it's, I, I'm kind of just jumping on the piggybacking on what you're saying here. Like it's really valuable information to take it as a whole. So th- th- thank you for that. Um, yep. What, what sort of, you know, when you were talking to an agent with that's currently with another brokerage, what's sort of like the, the hangups to getting a path forward with them? Like what's, what's usually when somebody leaves one brokerage to another, what's usually the reasoning behind it? Or is there like a uniform reasoning that they usually leave for? Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you look at the way the real estate brokerages are set up, right. And, and you, and you look at national land realty compared to other brokerages, right. First and foremost, we're a land brokerage, right? So we immediately separate ourselves from the residential and the commercial companies that are out there, commercial brokerages that are out there. Um, so right off the bat, I think people understand, okay, we're a full service land brokerage company. That's who we are. Um, but then as you start breaking down, um, the different types of setups, right? How brokerages are set up in, in residential. It's common. You see a lot of the franchise model is, is, is very common residential, even in commercial uh, in land, you know, that we, we have the franchise model. Um, you've got the do it yourself model, right? Where an agent or broker goes and, 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 and or excuse me, a broker, I guess in this case goes and sets up their own shop and runs everything uh, from soup to nuts, beginning to end, they do it all right. They're covering everything. Uh, they, they, uh, they wear all, all the hats, right? Running right, the- right. They just outsource the liability, right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. And then you've got the, uh, the the broker network model, which is what we are, um, which is really interesting, Mac, and, and you know this, right? I mean, it's, you know, we offer so, so much support and, you know, we're not, we're not partners, but it feels like that, you know, we're, we're right there alongside our agents and brokers, helping them run their business. Um, we're not in the day to day, but but we're behind the scenes helping with lead generation, helping with marketing, helping with accounting and financing, helping with some of the operation operational needs that they, they, um, that they need or, or want. But, um, but we also give them the freedom to continue to run their brokerage, manage, manage agents underneath them and run their businesses. And we just provide, we just try to provide as many, and this kind of sounds corny, I know, but provide, provide tools, right? Allow them to take advantage of some of the things that we, we provide, whether it's a, a CRM tool, right? Where they can manage all their clients and customers in one place, um, be able to send out mass emails to, you know, buyer leads, seller leads over the years and stay in communication and, and again, manage all of their leads in one place. 
um, to, to our technology, right? When we talk about Land Tour 360, which is our proprietary land touring technology. I mean, these are, these are things that, that agents and brokers are typically looking for um, when, they're, when they're coming to a, to a potential new company or they're interviewing us to see if we're a fit. But, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's off the bat being able to tell them, look, we're different. Than most companies, we're not a franchise because I think a lot of people just try to lump us in and say, "Oh, you're you're a franchise, aren't you?" And that's the one thing I think that's one misnomer uh, people uh, put on us. And so I've got to clear that up and let them know, you know, look, we're not we're not a franchise, uh, and not that franchises are bad, right? Franchises offer a lot of benefits. We just decided to go at this a little bit differently, and we wanted to be tied into. A, to what our agents and brokers are doing. And, you know, it's, it's, we ride the highs and lows together, right? We don't collect fees. We're not, um, we're not saying, look, you pay us X percentage and here's what you get. It's, you know, we're going to provide support and try to help you drive your business. And if you succeed, we succeed, but if you fail, then we sort of fail too, right? We, we get hurt in the process. So it, 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 it really does incentivize us to make sure our agents and brokers are successful because again, we succeed together. Um, so it's kind of neat that we're tied in with what our agents and brokers do. And it makes my job even more rewarding when I bring on an agent or broker and uh, I get to watch them grow within the company, which you know, I think, I think speaks to why we just haven't had as much turnover as you see in, in, you know, which is common in some real estate brokerages. We don't have that amount of turnover because it's again, not a numbers game for us. It's not quantity. It's more about the quality of the agent or broker we bring on, which we do take to heart. I was going to say, yeah, the average rotation on real estate agents, it's something like two years or something like that I've read, but it's, it's really short and there's very, very little turnover. Um, I wanted to ask, so when, you know, kind of back to the, the initial question is, is, do you, is it a lot of conversations about like that mostly look to move just because of split or is it, is, is that usually a driver or is it sort of like the technology or the offerings that they have? Because you, you pointed to it, right? Like we, we have a, a business model that's more aimed towards, I, I use the term sales enablement, which really to a lot of people out there just sounds like weirdo, you know, sales corporate jargon kind of stuff. But it just basically means we give you tools and, you know, we give as many tools as humanly possible, such as, you know, office support, paperwork support, helping you close deals. And then, you know, from a, a marketing perspective is we give you a bajillion tools your choice to use them is up to you. There's an accountability measure in there. So we enable you to use tools and educate you and, and bring you in and swath of technology from like three-dimensional land tour from the sky to CRM systems to, to, you know, marketing postcards, right? Putting all those tools in your hand doesn't mean that you have the drive to use them. So that becomes an accountability thing. But is that really, when you're talking to somebody that, that is, you know, looking to come on board or exploring other brokerages, how much of a driver are those conversations or is it just, I want a higher split or is it, I want some mentorship. Um, I want, you know, national support or I just want a conglomerate to be able to market more effectively to, to, you know, I want to say your, your aggregator sites kind of thing where you can feed your listings to, to websites that host land listings. Um, you know, is it, or is it all that, I, I guess, is the, is the question. Yeah, I think it really is all the above. You know, okay. we talked about, right, technology and marketing and how that plays an important role in all of this. And really, when you break down national land, we focused on data, you know, getting data and then leveraging technology and marketing to really service that data, right? Um, so those are kind of the three pillars of national land, I like to say, data, technology, and marketing. Really, sort of in that order, but they're all intertwined. Um, you know, it, it getting to that main root of your question you know, about commission splits, right? It's kind of the elephant in the room. You know, people always come and say, hey, you know, I want, I want everything, but I want the highest commission split you can offer. And I, and I get that, right? Um, but I think, you know, I think too often, right, people are so focused on the commission split they're on rather than the value and services they're ultimately receiving in return, right? So when you're, when you're contemplating about switching a brokerage or you're contemplating about getting into land brokerage and, and someone's coached you up on, hey, you need to look out for your split, um, you really need to understand why you're asking that question and, and look at it uh, in a, in a, in a from a, from a total point of view of, you know, what are the, the total expenses either at your current brokerage 
or that you're, you're not going to be, that you're going to have to pay it on your own. Right. Um, so you've got to compare again, let's, let's take, for example, someone that's looking to switch from one brokerage to another. Um, you've got to look at your total expenses at that current brokerage and really compare that to what your forecasted expenses are going to be with the new brokerage you're going to. So you've got to look at expenses like uh, maybe desk fees that you're paying or tech costs or MLS expenses, E&O insurance, um, you know, the list goes on and on, right? If you're paying for a personal assistant or maybe you're paying for someone to do your operations or accounting, um, there's there's a lot that can go into running a brokerage. And so for the, the do-it-yourself people that have been going at it alone, they understand their overhead probably better than anyone else in most cases, right? Because they, they, that's been on them. And so for the ones for the ones I speak to that are doing it themselves, they they can really see the value in what we're providing because, oh, you're telling me I don't have to pay for this or that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm willing to come on at maybe a lower split because you're providing so much. Um, now the, the toughest part, Mac is, a, is an agent that, you know, a land professional that's been working with a land brokerage and they, um, they haven't been provided a lot of the tools and support that we offer. So they don't really know what they're missing out on. They don't realize like, Hey, we're going to be doing a lot of this lead generation and providing you a lot of these tools, not to mention a brand that's all encompassing, right? You can go and list a commercial development track to, you know, a large farm or hunting and rec track, right? You can do it all because our brand is so inclusive, right? We do everything land, you know, that's it. So we're not, uh, we're, we don't, we haven't pigeonholed ourselves, I think in that sense, but um, you know, the commission split versus what your take home is, is so important to look at. And so for us, you know, since we offer a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, um, you know, carrying on a lot of those fees, right. Paying for that, um, you know, agents and brokers end up netting a lot more money, than if they went to a, to a brokerage where they're getting a higher split, but all of that's on them because to run a business, I mean, it, it takes a lot of effort, right? And you get burned out quickly when you're having yeah. to figure out how you're going to market yourself, how you're going to get letters or postcards out the door. Um, you know, how are you going to generate those leads, right? These are things that we're doing for agents and brokers a lot of times at no cost to them. You know, yeah. so I was going to say too, jumping in, and I don't want to be all infomercially about national land because I don't. We're trying to like talk about what makes a great, great real estate agent, but I, I wanted to like plug something in there because you're talking about the excess costs that the agents go through. Is because you're right. There's overhead involved. There's the E and O insurance. There's you know it, there's somebody to help you with paperwork and make sure that you're 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 compliant. There's um you know any number of things marketing right. And then uh, one of the things that I wanted to make sure, just because I know the business model, right? So I'm cheating here, um, is is time cost of money, right? It's it, it might not be an upfront cost to you out of your pocket, but it's an upfront cost to you in terms of time. You've got to figure out if you like your your uh, you know single operators out there, you got to put in the time to figure out your marketing, to to figure out how to send it, to figure out you know if you use a CRM or if you use a notepad or you have an Excel sheet, you've got to put in the time to figure all that out in the first place and then run it all yourself as to where if you have a supportive, you know, crew behind it, like a home office kind of thing, which is, you know, how we're set up is you have that time to be in the field and to do the things necessary to get more leads, to do more business, you know, like get out and talk to people, network those you have more time to do that. If you have the drive to do that, that's where the accountability comes in. But it's, there's, so it might not be a direct overhead, but there's a time cost. Exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, I always tell it to, to, to agents and brokers that, that we'd rather them be out in the field more than they're stuck behind the desk. Right. In all reality, you, you're going to be behind the desk, you know, running, uh, you know, you know, emailing and, and working with with buyers and sellers and, and, you know, just making sure your marketing campaigns are set up correctly. Again, being able to leverage a lot of the resources that we provide. But I want to make sure that the majority of your time is out in the field. Um, rather than trying to figure out how you're going to generate leads or how you're going to run your business. Let us do a lot of the behind the scenes work of, you know, you went through this process, right, Mac, of vetting CRMs and getting the right CRM that our agents and brokers can can use. And then us finding out how that CRM works, how can it benefit them? And then 
coaching and teaching them how to, how to use it um, or, or figuring out kind of what the best method is to, to marketing a track of land, right? Where are we getting the, the biggest return? Where, where is the best investment when it comes to marketing dollars? So that's not something that they're having to think about and, and make those decisions that they have somebody that they can lean on um, in our different support teams, right? Our different departments that are, that are there for agents and brokers to, again, help provide them with more knowledge so that they can be making decisions and we can be making decisions together. Because again, we're all in this as one, one big team, you know, 400 agents and brokers spread across the country. Yeah. And so, you know, we were talking initially, um, there was a few of the things that you highlighted as sort of what makes a skilled land agent when they come into the field. And so I wanted to ask you sort of, what do you see in terms of, I mean, we talked about communication. I think that's the, probably the most important thing. Um, other ones that, that I think you hit on were like time management. Um, but it wasn't, you didn't say it directly, but that's what I got from what you were saying is like the ability to either use or understand technology is, seems like it's something that you really look for when it comes down to land agents, but not, not every land agent has sort of that background. And, and I'm, and I'm saying this cause there's, there's some people that have been in the industry for a long time that like they were in it before technology was a big deal in real estate. And they've been able to build their network outside of technology just because they've been around for a long time. So it's not as, is, is there's like a sliding scale? Like I've been in the industry for 30 years. So technology use is not that important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to your point, right. I think some, you know, been quicker to adapt to technology and obviously your younger uh, land professionals, agents and brokers that are getting into this, you know, understand technology really well and it's commonplace for them, you know, for the, for the individual that's been doing this for 30 plus years, um, you know, the, the way I look at it is, you know, numbers speak for themselves, right? So I'm not going to necessarily go and try to change you. I want to be able to provide you with tools that you can take advantage of and that we're more than willing to help coach you on so that if you want to take advantage of more of the technology that we provide, then you can do it, right? But if you'd rather hire somebody because your time is better spent, you know, you've been, again, 30 years doing this, right? Your time is better spent elsewhere, then you can hire an assistant, or you know you can you can pay for other types of support and uh, and we'll work with that assistant to make sure you have everything you need. So trust me, we have you know uh, brokers out there that have assistants that that our support teams work directly with, and they have access to all of our tech platform and can can basically run the business on behalf of that broker, right? Or do a lot of the things so that that broker's not you know trying to spin their wheels about. Uh, learning some of the tech. So, you know, I would love it if everyone just jumped on the tech bandwagon and and, and understood it, but um, I don't want to change somebody necessarily. I just want to make sure they understand that it's there for them and then how they choose to take advantage of it is, is up to them. But I feel like we do a really good job, Mac, of, of coaching, training, providing webinars, and uh, again, just, just offering that, that guidance that uh, I think yeah. agents and brokers need so that they're not in the dark. Right. It's because they don't know what they don't know. Right. And so they haven't been explained how the technology can help them. Then they just look at it as, uh, you know, uh, something uh, like a time suck. Right. That just is they don't want to even start it. Yeah. I like to call them time vampires. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that's why I wanted to ask you that, because technology is obviously a big driver, especially if you know, you take some of the agents that have been in the industry for a long time, they usually have a list of, or, you know, I want to, we'll throw some old school language and say a Rolodex. They usually have a list of, you know, up to 2000, 3000 leads that they could work and talk to. And there's no way to do that humanly possible without technology. You know, and and then you think about a a lot of real estate is thought about to be a one-time transaction thing. Like I work with this person once to one-time thing, but really, when you're talking about the lifespan of, of a human in their transactional cycle, you're probably talking about a sale every 10 to 15 years. And so maintaining that contact over a 10 to 15 year span is necessary. And then you bet you factor in, you've got around 2000 leads. That means any, you know, five to 10% of those leads that you know could be looking to transact during that life cycle. So maintaining contact with everybody is impossible without technology, but there are some of those out there that have been in the industry for a long time. And I, I, I wanted to ask you that because we do have personality sets of all kinds, right? We have, 
like you said, we have some people where we work with their, their admins. We have some people that, that jump on the technology bandwagon. And we have some people that are off in a, in a cornfield in the Midwest. And it's like, don't call me. I don't want to talk to you. Let me run my business. You'll, I'll just send you the paperwork when I have a sale. And there's, there's all those types that we, that we have on board. So I didn't know if there was anything that you would sort of, that, that you had been able to see like, okay, this is what makes a successful agent. This is, this is the type of agent you want to work with. But it really comes down to, and I'm going to go to the next thing to ask you about is what's the experience level that you look for? Because I, I do see a mix there as well. You see ex foresters, you see, there's a couple, we've had a couple on the podcast here where they've been 50 years in forestry and, and there's more knowledge about trees and the ecology of that area than anybody will ever know. You know, I would argue ever like they're, they're professors of that certain area but then you have other people that we brought on board. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Trey McCallie under the bus, right? Like he was a residential guy that we brought on board and he's highly successful, but doesn't have that background. Like he'll, he's the first one to tell you is like, I, I don't know what type of tree that is. I, I would argue with Trey now that he probably does. But when he came on board, he's been a very successful agent and he, he didn't have that background. So there's, is there an educational aspect and what is it? Yeah, it's funny you say that. Uh, one of uh, one of my mentors told me early on in this business that uh, you know we're not rocket scientists, we're not you know heart surgeons. Uh, we sell dirt, you know. And it's funny because he, <laughs> you know, you know, it, 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 yeah, it is. I mean, because I think you know too often in this business you, you you're chasing the deals and uh, you're you're concerned about losing commission or you're concerned about that buyer going behind your back and buying a track of land. You know, you can protect yourselves, obviously, with contracts and agreements, you know, but, you know, he, he basically told me, you know, look, get in this business and focus on that widget of, of, of land, right? That's that's your widget that you're trying to sell and go and develop those relationships. So, you know, the question of, you know, again, what are we looking for? You know, I think I think sales is important, you know, having the again strong communication skills, being able to have a, you know, kind of have that personality that connects people and resonates with people is really important. But secondly, something that you hit on is being able to um, relate to the landowner, right? I mean, having a connection to land is important. Um, not every, every person that gets into this has to have that, but it makes your life a lot easier, like we talked about, right? If you're around land, if you're an avid hunter yourself, you're an avid outdoorsman, um, you, you, you fish, um, you maybe grew up on a farm or farming has been in your, your family. Um, it, it, whatever that connection is to land, I think is going to make you an even better land broker agent, right? And let's face it, if you're coming to us, typically you have that, that the word land sticks out to you, right? So you see that and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. It screams me because of, you know, whatever that connection is. And so, it, it, it's, it's, that is an important part of um, becoming a successful land broker is having that, those connections to land combined with the communication skills, the, the mark, you know, that personality, right. To be able to connect with people and really at the end of the day, help people. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we sell dirt, right. There's a lot that goes with it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, to be a land professional, there's a lot that goes with it. You know, we talked about being able to, to understand the value of land, the importance of land, being able to, to you know, know how to market land. Um, there's so, so much that goes into it. Um, so not just anyone can do it, but um, if you can cover those two major things, you're going to be good. If you can build relationships in this business and uh, again, focus on helping people rather than chasing after commissions, you know, and making deals, um, you're going to do well. It's going to serve you right. And, you know, if you live and breathe land, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it should be, uh, it, it's kind of a one plus one equals three effect. If I could put it in that way. I mean, it really yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, it, and if I'm, if I'm hearing you right too, it's because a, a lot of the people that you're going to talk to for transactions, you know, because you're, you're selling land, you're going to talk to landowners. So you're going to talk to a rancher, you're going to talk to a hunter, you're going to talk to a recreational enthusiast, right? Someone who's driving UTVs or camping, something like that, or you're talking to a farmer. And anybody who's ever been around these audiences, um, and I'd, 
I can just say that because I come from that kind of a background. And it, it, like when I interviewed my staff that I work with here for marketing, one of the first questions I ask him is like, how fluent are you in hillbilly? Like, because <laughs> I want to take them off guard and I want to see how they respond. But I also want to see if they can speak rural language and they know it and they're familiar with it. Because if, if you'd go to a farm and you just start talking like glossy numbers and stuff, like you look like a salesperson and nobody... And it's not just farmers in general. Nobody wants to get just sold to in life. Everybody, when they talk to a salesperson, they want to know they're supported, understood, heard. They want to know they have somebody in their corner. They want a relationship. And and I say that lightly because, you know, nobody wants to be forced into a relationship either. But they want to know that they're understood. And so if you're going out in the field, you have to be able to speak that language and relate to a farm. You've got to know, like, how the, how they set up their row crops. You've got to understand that language. Because the farmer wants to know that they're represented with clients. They, they, like, you're not out there trying to like sell something that they're not. And or if if you get the the type of irrigation that they have wrong when you're talking to you know the other side of the the sale, like if you're if you're working with a landowner and you're talking to the buyer and you misrepresent the irrigation, then you have a big problem because you've misrepresented what's on their property or the types of crops they can grow with, with their pH levels and everything, like what they have in their soil or the same thing with ranching, right? How many cattle that a certain pastor can hold. If you can't speak that language, you're setting it up for a bad transaction. And, and it's, and, and there's a trust thing there too. If, if you go out to talk to somebody, a landowner and you don't speak the language, they will not trust you. Like, yes. and it, that's what it's a big deal. Like it's, it's, it's a very protective audience of what they have because land is valuable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they, you know, a lot of uh, the the sellers, you know, we deal with have such such strong connections to the land. Um, so being able to go into that meeting, not trying to force their hand, because if you go in and say, hey, you, you need to list this with me, um, they're going to see right through you. Right. It's it's and kind of to your point. Right. I mean, I lived in Atlanta and I was going about an hour, two hours out and meeting with with more rural landowners and you know i wasn't showing up in a suit and tie i was showing up in you know my jeans and boots and you know i was going out there to meet with them to walk their land to you know to 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 drive you know in a, in a side by side and and see every inch of their property to understand what what makes that land um so so valuable in their eyes right what what's so important to them um, you know, that, that's really what I tried to do and, and being able to connect those, connect with those landers is important, right? So even though I didn't, I wasn't living in the world day in and day out, I still knew that, that, you know, I needed to go out there with, uh, with the intent of building that relationship, asking the right questions, not to your point, Mac, not trying to fake it, right? Not trying to say, I know everything about cattle because not everyone in this business needs to know everything, right? But you need to be able to admit what you don't know and, and ask questions to the landowner and say, you know, hey, I, I honestly don't know some of this information, so, so explain it to me or, or seek a professional that knows it, right? And, and through this business, there's a lot, of, a lot of educational courses you can take. A Realtors Land Institute has some great courses uh, online or even in person that they offer uh, all throughout the country that, that uh, agents and brokers that are getting into this business um, can go and take to really understand, um, you know, everything having to do with land brokerage. So that's something I would highly recommend, but you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned like people getting into this business. Um, again, you have the agents and brokers, right. That might be switching your career. You know, we've seen residential agents, um, that have come into land, uh, because maybe they were with a residential company and they were doing more land transactions than residential, and they really weren't getting any of the support that a land brokerage could offer them, definitely that we could offer them. And so they, they made the switch to us. And so there's someone that, that's already been doing it. They just were doing it under the wrong brand, under the wrong type of marketing. And they were just kind of bootstrapping it, right? With a, with a, a, a residential logo and, they yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's powerful. Um, and then you have the ones that are, they're getting into this brand new, you know, we've had a lot of former military, you know, and, you know, some of the things I didn't, didn't touch on when it, when it, you know, the qualities of a successful land broker, it's, um, you know, it's attention to detail, it's professionalism. I mean, those are two of the most important ones. And, you know, I think with, with a lot of the military guys and girls that we've had come into this company, um, they, they, they definitely, um, can relate to those two things, attention to detail, professionalism, amongst the other, I think six that are rattled off that, you know, they, they, they <laughs> learned or they understand, but, you know, those are two important um, aspects that make up a, a good land professional. We've had, um, 
you know, you mentioned foresters, right? You know, they, they've been in our business sort of, you know, they've been around it, you know, they've been uh, evaluating the timber for uh, for a sale that an agent came in and sold it, right? Um, so they, they just, they were lacking the real estate license and that's really all it took. So a forester or a, a farm manager, you know, that doesn't have the real estate license, you know, they can make this transition and do pretty well. Landmen are another really good example, Joe, or Max, excuse me, of somebody that, you know, was, um, you know, in in the field doing oil and gas rights, right? For example, in Texas or Oklahoma, the Permian Basin, you know, they, they're, they're meeting with landowners, having some of the same conversations that we as land brokers and agents have with landowners, you know, building those relationships. But uh, again, they were using it under, you know, trying to find lease rights, right, for oil and gas. They can make this transition a little bit easier because, again, they they've been in our world to a degree. They just haven't been on the sales side or the broker side of things. So they 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 can make a good transition. But it's fascinating, right, seeing the different types of people that that are able to come into this business brand new uh, from a from a prior career and do really well. Um, but you know, we'll take anybody. I mean, I was fresh out of college, right? Someone took a, a leap of faith on me, uh, not knowing how it was going to turn out. And uh, so I think if, if you have the, uh, the drive and you want to learn and get into this business and you're, you're, again, passionate about what you do, it's so important within, I think anybody, you know, anybody that's working, right? I mean, you have to have that passion to want to wake up every day and go to work. So um, that's a lot of it. You know, you mentioned drive earlier, right, Mac? It's, it's the drive to want to learn and get better and, and, and adapt, right? And, um, you know, so, so all of those kind of play an important role in this when, when you're trying to look to make a, a career change. Yeah. You were bringing up backgrounds and I started thinking immediately, um, we just did a podcast with one of our, one of our land professionals here a while back, it was a quail specialist went to college for quail science, right? Like quail biology. And yeah. I mean, uh, it, terrific episode too. Um, but it, just the backgrounds can be highly diverse, but they all do kind of revolve back to one thing is somebody that can talk land. Like, can you, can you speak to rural land and it's not going to be residential language, but residential people can do it because you have residential people that do know land. Um, but if you come in and you don't know anything about land and you've like, you've never been outdoors or anything like that, it's going to be harder, but there's also that drive side, right? Where do you have the drive to learn? Are you able to adapt? Are you able to take on new um, technologies, new ways of operating? Like those things matter, or are you embedded in your community? Like, so, there's a high variance, right? Of, of what makes a successful land agent. And in turn, like, you know, if you're looking for a land agent, there's a high variance of what you're looking for. One of the biggest ones I think though, to your point is probably communication skills. Like, does this person, does this person respond quickly? And then if they are responding quickly, are they good at respond? Like, do they speak in a language that is understandable that you as well as somebody you're working with can relate to because this person is representing you. If so, if you're a landowner or a land buyer, you've got somebody representing you to another person, to another agent. If that person doesn't speak clearly, you're putting yourself in a situation for under, misunderstanding, right? So you want to make sure that it's a good communicator overall, right? Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's tough to, to make the transition, but if you understand why you're, why you're doing it, um, it's, 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 it's really, it's really important. You know, one of the things Mac that I, I wanted to touch on was, you know, some of those things that kind of limit, you know, as you, as you think about, uh, looking at a brokerage to go to, you know, some of the things you need to consider, right. Whether you're, you're looking to make the change or you're looking to, to get into it, it's, what is the brand? And I touched on this earlier a little bit too, right? That the brand needs to, to say what you're wanting to do, right? And if you're wanting to be able to diversify and cover all types of land, you need to make sure that your brand's not limiting in any type of way, right? Um, you know, in our field, you know, we do have, you know, companies that are more geared towards listing hunting and rec land versus some that are, you know, dealing more with farmland. And, and that's what they cater to. And that's the, the route that they've you know, decided to go. Again, when we started this company, it's, it's let's focus on being able to cover all types of land because we knew that we were going to go eventually west of the Rockies, right? And we, we needed to focus on, um, you know, whether it's mountain land, um, farmland, ag land, 
all the way to where we, you know, where we started this company in the Southeast, which is predominantly, you know, hunting and rec land. And then obviously you have, you know, cities, you know, major cities like uh, Atlanta, Nashville, Raleigh, that there's development land, right? And we needed to be able to cater to that, that audience as well and be able to represent landowners who are looking to sell their land um, to, to developers, you know, and be able to, um, to, to represent them. Um, because again, we have, we have the data and technology, so we didn't want to limit, limit ourselves. Um, so that's important is looking at that brand to making sure it's not, you know, limiting the type of land you want to sell. Um, yeah, I think it, yeah, again, we talk about it, right. M- making sure you're not geographically limited, uh, you know, in, in what you can do, right. And in some ways, you know, a, a company could be just operating in one region. Right. And so you could miss out opportunities that come across your desk with, you know, somebody saying, you know, let's say someone in Florida uh, has a buyer that's looking for land in, in Kansas. Right. Well, since we're in Kansas, you know, that our broker in Florida can go and work with that broker in Kansas and know that they're going to be taken care of. Right. They know the type of person that works for national land um, based on, you know, again, who we're, who we're bringing on to the team. So it's nice to be able to keep a lot of that in-house and being able to refer from, you know, refer deals across the country. Um, so you want to make sure that you're not being geographically limited on, on where you can sell and where you can do business. Um, which again, it's the nice thing about us being a nationwide company. Um, you know, and then I, I think, again, you have to look at kind of the business model as a whole right? How, how is it set up? Um, what is it allowing you to do? And, um, you know, I think, you know, we, we try not to have kind of that, that strict territory model. We, we want our agents and brokers to be able to, to do business where they're licensed. And uh, we don't want that to stop them at all. So, um, you know, these are all things I think you need to take in consideration when, uh, when looking to make that change. Yeah, it's a really good point that you brought up that I, I don't think about that often enough probably is is the referral network that you gain out of a national company. So if you're, you know, if if you're a consumer and you want to look at land in another state, you want to be able to talk to somebody that can refer you to that other state. Otherwise, you're going in blind. Or if you're an agent in one state, if you refer business to another, you know, I, I'm in Florida and I refer business to Kansas. Um it's pick and choose as to whether there's kind of like a referral involved in that. And, but if it's within your company, you can do that. And if you have that network and furthermore, a lot of our agents know each other and they've become used to each other to where they can trust the person they're handing off to. But you brought up something earlier as well is somebody could come into, you know, it didn't be a land professional and not necessarily, you know, like a residential person and they're not going to necessarily know ranches you need a referral network for information. You need a place you can go to. And there's, a, you know, several, you know, ranch specialists in the company that, that you can talk to. And then that's where your role comes in, Logan, where they say, Logan, I need to know about ranches. Who can I talk to? And you can refer that out. And having that active knowledge base that's always in your pocket is such a valuable thing to where you don't have to stand in a field with a rancher and be like, oh, yeah, of course I understand, you know, that Angus cow. It's like, that's that's a Hereford. Um <laughs> You know, like it, you don't put your foot in your mouth trying to pretend you know what you don't know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's funny before I hopped on this, you know, this podcast with you, Mac, I had one of our, our uh, brokers in North Carolina reach out to me because he's getting ready to, to do an auction or, or kind of pitch the auction services. And so I was able to put him in touch with a few of our, our brokers in the Midwest that have done, you know, tons of auctions over their careers as, as experts, right. That they could lean on. And I think that's important about a company is making sure that we're not, you know, fragmented. Right. I think, you know, in an industry like ours, where everyone's typically 1099, you know, independent contractors, they're all kind of running around doing their own thing, but, you know, we've tried to maintain that consistency, right. Of everyone wearing and pulling, the rope in the same direction, right? Wearing National Land Realty um, and being proud to, to wear the National Land Realty logo. Um, but but as you mentioned, right, a lot of them have personal relationships or personal ties. And so, you know, me being able to connect our broker with with a couple guys in the Midwest that have done a ton of brokerage or a ton of, excuse me, a ton of auctions was was great, you know, and, and, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's awesome that he can lean on individuals like that, that are, that are experts, right, when it comes to auctions, or as you mentioned, right, someone that's done ranches and understands it, um, or understands cattle, you know, um, 
you know, we had, we had somebody reach out that wanted to do poultry, you know, and, and we have a couple poultry specialists. We have multiple poultry specialists. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got, yeah, you said, yeah, we've got several, right. That, that do that and, and understand it. So, you know, again, my job, as you mentioned, right, is to make sure that our brokers and agents know that there's resources out there, that there's people on the team that, that have the, that expertise that can, that they can um, ask questions to or lean on. And, um, you know, it's, it's, that, that's really what we want to focus on is being one team, uh, you know, that, that they're all wearing the national land brand um, and going out there and, and representing the company. Well, Cool. Well, hey, Logan, I, I've taken up a good chunk of your morning because we talked for a good chunk of time before the podcast on other business stuff. So I don't, I don't want to kill off the rest of your day. Um, so any last things you want to mention as far as, you know, what, what you look for, um, you know, what consumers should look for in a great land agent or, you know, or any kind of last plugs that you want to throw in here, really? You know, I, I think it's it's obviously a tough decision uh, when you're when you're deciding to go with a brokerage, whether you're a seller, uh, a buyer, or or you're a, a recruit, uh, a, a person that's looking to get into this business, or you're looking to make a, a career change. Uh, you've never been in land brokerage and you're wanting to get into it, or you're you're in land brokerage and you're wanting to make a switch, right? Or you're in real estate and wanting to make a switch. Um, you know, we talked about all the things you need to look out for. Um, but uh, you know, I, I just don't think you want to take that decision lightly. And I always tell agents and brokers that are coming or anybody that I recruit, I recommend they go and talk to all the other brokerages because I want, not only do I, do we want as a company, right. To be making the right decision, but we want that recruit to make the decision for themselves, um, and, and be able to know what the other options are out there. So I know it's probably taboo because I'm recruiting against myself a little bit, right? Re- recommending they go and talk to other brokerages. But, you know, I, I feel like we stack up so well uh, to our competition. And there's some really, we have got, we've got some great competitors in this space. And, uh, and I love competing with them. And I think that's what makes um, our industry so good is that, you know, having some other, you know, having that healthy competition makes us even better. Um, and, and we've been challenged to, to be able to offer uh, different, you know, different uh, types of support, right, um, that's above our competition. But um, at the end of the day, you know, again, don't take this decision lightly. And uh, I just I just ask you, give us a shot. You know, if you're interested in talking to us, you know, reach out, be happy to talk to you. We're not, uh, we're not, we're not, you know, again, I'm coming out of the field and I was not a hardcore salesman. You know, I was not saying you need to sign, you need to list with me. And that's the same way I take recruiting. You know, it's more about me building a relationship with a recruit, trying to figure out if they kind of fit the mold of what most of our agents and brokers are in this company. And, uh, and, and, you know, asking some of those questions to understand who they are as a person. Um, and it's not something where I in that meeting with, Hey, sign here to join the company. It's think it's, you know, consider, consider us, um, you know, again, don't take this decision lightly. And, uh, and, you know, I'm there to answer questions and, and provide them with, uh, whatever I can, uh, as they, uh, as they, uh, go, uh, go with making that important decision. So again, I appreciate you having me on Mac. I've really enjoyed this and uh, hopefully I didn't ramble too much. And a lot of this makes sense to those that are listening, but uh, yeah, I just implore you to reach out if you have any questions. No, man, this is all great information. I appreciate you taking the time to do this as well. Um, So yeah, we'll do it again for sure. And uh, hey man, thank you for, for coming on board. Yeah, thanks Mac. This concludes episode number 40 for the National Land Realty Podcast with National Land Realty Executive Vice President of Sales, Logan Eaton, discussing what makes a great land real estate agent. You can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com.